0: This is The TJ Show, and happy President's Day to you, j You too, TJ. You know, we've been celebrating today by reading through some history about some of our former presidents. This is an interesting one. You know, we think of these presidents and we revere them as these incredible leaders, and many of them were. But we can't forget they were also human beings. Of course. And, and some of them did some weird stuff. All right. And so I have a whole list of quirks from some of our presidents, like Gandrew Jackson— he famously fought in numerous duels And had a reputation as a fierce military leader I mean, imagine that Like being in a bar as the president And someone challenges you to a duel And you're outside dueling with someone <laughs> as, the, as the president He also kept a pet parrot named Pole And the parrot was known for its colorful language and antics So did he have a swearing parrot? <laughs> that, is, that sounds like a fun parrot You wouldn't expect that from a former president, John Quincy Adams He had a lifelong passion for swimming And was known to take daily swims in the Potomac River Often in the nude He also had a penchant for keeping a daily diary Which documented his thoughts, observations, and activities in meticulous detail
1: I can understand that in the pool But in the river, mm-hmm. sometimes <laughs> the fish will start mm-hmm. yeah, I, I
0: wouldn't know. want that No, you don't want anything to get mixed up for the wrong thing that Right? fish like to eat yeah,
1: they sometimes find
0: worms. Theodore Roosevelt. He was an avid outdoorsman who embarked on numerous hunting and exploration expeditions. He took a year-long safari in Africa. And this is what I found so interesting about him. He had a diverse array of pets at the White House, including a bear, a badger, and a one-legged rooster. I didn't even know you were allowed to have that many pets. A bear? I mean, today it's so boring. It's like, oh yeah, we've got the White House dog. <laughs> that bites everyone. You're <laughs> Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Andrew Johnson had a reputation for being unkempt, disheveled in his appearance, often appearing in public with uncombed hair and wrinkled clothing. Yeah, I mean, I agree with wrinkled clothing. I wish someone would make that popular. I hate <laughs> ironing. I don't even really know how to do it. Don't get me started on steaming. You gotta put water in this little thing and blow steam on it. You gotta
1: you. throw it in the dryer for like 10 minutes and let the wrinkles come out and then throw it on. Oh,
0: could you do it for me? No. It's
1: too much you're work, a Oh, man. <laughs>
0: But he was also known for his colorful language He had a tendency to speak his mind Which sometimes got him into trouble politically Well, that never happens anymore No, not <laughs> never Thankfully Grover Cleveland President Cleveland holds the distinction of being the only president to marry in the White House I didn't know this But he actually got married in the Blue Room to Francis Folsom This was in 1886 That must have been a party, huh? I mean, you might as well It's a free venue Yeah, you know? seriously Saved a lot of money <laughs> Right On wedding fees uh, Warren Harding This former president was known for his love of poker And often hosted high stakes poker games at the White House That, that seems like Is that allowed? Can you still do that? <laughs> Legend has it that he bet away all of the White House's China in a bet Oh Uh-oh. my I mean, goodness. come on President Harry Truman had a fondness for playing the piano I didn't know that about him He would often entertain guests with his musical talent I saw That's a video awesome. on YouTube Uh, There was a guy who was interviewing
2: him, and it was a beautiful Steinway piano. And he was like, you want to hear it? And he sat down and he started playing it. Harry Truman's one of my favorite presidents because he was the one who installed a bowling alley at the White House. It's funny you bring that up. Richard Nixon, also who was known
0: for his love for bowling, installed another bowling alley in the basement of the White House. We need bowling at the White House. Yeah, no, it's cool. Wow, I didn't know this. What a fascinating story. Paul McCartney, of course, of the Beatles had a bass stolen from him over 50 years ago. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's this really unique bass. It's got like a violin shape to it. It was from 1961. It was an electric Hoffner. Nobody knew what happened. There was all this mystery around it. So two journalists, along with the company that produced the bass all those years ago, launched this Wild investigation to try to figure out, could they find this bass? Does <laughs> so it on still exist? Well, from the announcement, they got over 600 different emails with all kinds of leads and interesting little tidbits. Everybody about, wants to help. Yeah, where this bass may have gone. Mm-hmm. And he bought the bass for $37 in 1961. The instrument was played on the Beatles' first two records. It was featured on such hits as Love Me Do, Twist and Shout, and she loves you. It's estimated to be worth about $12.6 million. But if it was indeed stolen, how do you sell it? You can't just sell Mm. the famous bass, right? So they launched this Lost Bass project. This was back in September. Within 48 hours, all those messages that I mentioned came in. One of those emails came from a sound engineer. His name was Ian Horn. And he had worked with McCartney's band, Wings. And he said, I think the bass was stolen from my van one night in the Notting Hill area of London, 1972. An even bigger break came. They were contacted by a person who said their father had stolen the bass. All these years later. Oh my goodness. What's blowing on your daddy? The thief, who they didn't name, ended up selling it to a guy named Ron. He was the landlord of the Admiral Blake pub. He sold it for just a few pounds, so a little bit of money, and some beers.
1: Well, I'm sure it wasn't worth $20 million back then. When <laughs> right. It was stolen.
0: right. Ron, his daughter in law, contacts McCartney's studio. And said that the old bass they're looking for had been in their attic for years. It looked like the one that they're looking for. So I wonder if she even knew the story behind it or how it got there. Maybe she thought it was just, you know, an old uncle or an old dad's um, bass or whatever. Well, it had been passed from Ron to his oldest son, who died in a car wreck. And then to a younger son, who also died. The instrument was indeed the bass that was stolen. It took two months to authenticate it. And he was reunited with it back in December. Now they know it was his. And it's a wild story. There's got to be some sort of a Netflix special about this, right? That's
2: amazing. Yes, we're working on it right now, as a matter of fact. Really? finally got me bass back, (laughs) man. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so cool that he got it back. But isn't that so interesting? Like, the things that are
0: in our attics. I mean, my attic's totally clean. I've got nothing up there because... I don't have an attic. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, But you wonder sometimes. Like, I, I go to this auction all the time, and I see these these estates being sold off. And it's all this old, weird stuff. And I'm so fascinated by like, where does all this stuff come from? I found this old camera that's beautiful and nobody
1: wanted it. I was like- people collecting things over the years and then it just sits there and then your family comes in after you pass on or you go into a home and they go, I don't want to deal with this. So they sell it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they go, oh, well, I should probably just hang on to this because it means something to the family. And no one really knows what it means. They, They don't realize they have this stolen- piece of equipment that they never thought twice about or that maybe has they value did. yeah who knows I wonder if he'll auction it off or if he'll keep it And
1: after all these years <laughs> you might as well keep that
0: thing <laughs> no that's true if you're going to go through all that kind of work but a uh, successful investigation there it is this is the TJ show j I'm starting to love this mirror that's getting held up to my face every other minute about okay. my habits on social media what are you seeing have you heard of popcorn brain Popcorn brain. Do we have popcorn brain? A symptom that refers to the tendency for our attention span and focus to jump quickly from one thing to another, like popping corn kernels. Mm. There is a clinical psychologist that's claiming social media may be killing our attention spans. Well, it's not so surprising, right? I mean, mine is gone. I need
1: CPR at this point. <laughs> it's
0: gone. Yeah. Well, I listen, I have hope and I have ways to undo the popcorn brain. But first, a little history on this term. It was coined back in 2011, and mental health experts are sharing new ways to combat it, so we're going to get to that in a few moments. One study found that 62.3% of the global population is on social media with an average daily usage. Can you guess what the number is?
1: Daily
2: usage? Daily.
0: What is the average? Uh, two hours. What about you, Kenny? <laughs> Uh, four. Is that your daily usage? No, I'm at, I, I actually looked at mine recently. I'm at about two and a half hours. Okay, well, you're right there. It's two hours and 23 minutes per day. Mm. Oh, just right off the bat, can we think about what we could potentially do with that time and how it would change our lives? Yeah, like a nap. Anything. Nice. Yes, a nap mm-hmm. would be better than this. Excessively scrolling through new posts, alerts, engagements and advertisements triggers a small dopamine release, which we all know. This isn't anything new. It rewards the brain and fuels that cycle. Over time, the constant demand for attention and the rapid switching between tasks can lead to a feeling of mental restlessness. Or our brains bouncing around, as they describe it, while it struggles to maintain focus on any one task for an extended period of time. Now, listen to this trajectory. This is how our attention span has declined over the last 20 years. This is research by the University of California. The attention span on any screen before switching to something else decreased from two and a half minutes in 2004 to 75 seconds in 2012. To get this, 12 years later, 47 seconds today. Wow, 47 seconds.
1: I That's, caught myself doing something, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, I got to do that too." And I'll open up another. Like if I'm the, if I'm on the computer, I'll open up another tabbed just so I can start doing that as well and I have to physically tell myself and verbally say it out loud no just finish what you're doing and then move on
0: yeah absolutely and the research suggests that the neural pathways in our brains are being rerouted to adapt to accommodating the demands of multitasking and rapid information processing we wanna just download stuff into our brain. We see how it works in the computer, yeah. get the PDF file in my head. And
1: I've noticed with multitasking, most of the time I don't one of the one of the the tasks aren't getting done. Right. Because you just don't, really your brain just can't do that. Well, it's like it needs that- needs to focus on one thing.
0: Yeah, it's like that old illustration of the guy who finds uh, the guy in the woods sawing down a tree and he's been there and he's exhausted. He's like, I've been doing this for five hours. And he's like, well, have you sharpened your blade? No, I don't have time to sharpen the blade. I gotta just keep chopping this thing down mm-hmm. and just go, and it's like exhausting us. Yeah. And there's, you, you can't get any rest. So here are some suggestions for easing popcorn brain. Limit tech usage to certain times and undergo digital detoxes to let the brain rest and recharge. Participate in screen-free activities like meditating, enjoying nature. When was the last time we went for a walk? Exercising, reading, and creating art. Make sure to pause to focus on a single task to train our brains not to multitask all the time. So just pick one thing, like yeah. you were saying, j And finally, periodically delete apps to try to regain control over social media usage. Well, I'm going to try it. How about you?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm for
0: it. One of the most respected and loved presidents of all time, Abraham Lincoln. Want a quick little history lesson on Abraham Lincoln? I didn't know a lot of this stuff.
1: Yeah, I got time.
0: (laughs) He was known as Honest Abe, and I'm going to tell you where that started in a minute. I just always accepted that. Like, oh yeah, he's honest, but why? Mm -hmm. There's some details about that. He was the 16th president of the United States. He was born in a log cabin in Kentucky in 1809. He grew up in humble surroundings... And he didn't really have a formal education, which is interesting. I didn't know that. He was a voracious reader. He would walk miles to borrow books, and his self-education shaped his intellectual prowess. Isn't that interesting? He didn't have this, like, you know, whatever you'd consider the normal education, but he found a way, and he saw the value in books. Books are still available to us today, right? Yeah, we he can, didn't have a prestigious education. And yeah. I mean, imagine there was a time in the 1800s where this guy would walk miles. And we've got it right in the palm of our hand. We mm-hmm. can get any book we want written from almost any era. And most of us uh, sit in front of the television. Yeah. Mean, this is a beautiful time to be alive. Standing at six feet, four inches tall, Lincoln was one of the tallest presidents in U.S. history his height earned him the nickname Long Abe I didn't know he was known as Long Abe <laughs> I, didn't know I didn't know that either and his appearance made him an unmistakable figure wherever he went before his political career listen to these odd jobs that President Abraham Lincoln worked at he was a rail splitter a store clerk and even a licensed bartender he was known for his honesty once walking miles to return a few pennies to a customer earning him the moniker Honest Abe so that's where oh, it came there from go. Lincoln's wit and humor were legendary. He was a master storyteller. He loved puns and wordplay, added uh, a touch of levity to even the most serious situations. He realized that having fun and telling stories was a great way to communicate what he wanted to get across, which is so cool. He also apparently had a very gentle demeanor, Hmm. but he was a skilled wrestler in his youth. I never knew that about Abraham Lincoln. Wrestling?
1: Get yeah. it on the floor? Okay. His
0: strength and agility earned him a reputation as an incredible opponent in the ring. He only had one recorded defeat in approximately 300 matches.
1: Wow.
0: That's impressive. Obviously, Lincoln's presidency marked by the Civil War, which he navigated the nation through its darkest hour, preserving the Union and issuing the Emancipation Proclamation, We know Lincoln's life was cut short when he was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth in 1865, just days after the Confederate surrender. There's so much about him in so many different books, and like this has gotten me so interested to dig even deeper into Mm -hmm. it. You hear these names forever. You learn about these figures in school. But who knew he was a wrestler? I needed to know that. Whenever I drive through,
1: I've driven through Illinois, and there's a city called Springfield, Illinois, which is like the home of Abe. And you know, because as soon as you pull in, there's like a sign that says home of Abe, Abraham Lincoln. There are water towers decorated with his face on it. And it says like Springfield, Illinois, home of Abraham Lincoln. People love them
0: For quite a while, we've been keeping tabs here about the robot takeover. Right. This is a subject that continues to come up and get headlines. Will the robots take over humanity? Well, I have a story here that is a win for the humans. Are you curious to hear a human win? Always. That just happened? It's between a human named Jake and Air Canada. Okay. The airline. Apparently, let's get some intense music on here because robot takeover is intense. (laughs) So Jake's grandma died, unfortunately, and Mm -hmm. he immediately visited Air Canada's website to book a flight from Vancouver to Toronto. He wasn't sure how Air Canada's bereavement rates worked, so he asked Air Canada's chatbot to explain. Well, the chatbot gave him one answer, and then a link to a website gave him another. So he went with what the chatbot said. And the chatbot, unfortunately, got the policy wrong and said that he was owed more money Than their policy said. Oh, so the chatbot wasn't trained properly? Well, the chatbot spoke on behalf of Air Canada and didn't get the rules right. And so he kept emailing and reaching out to Air Canada. And they said, no, no, it's your responsibility. Here's what the website says. The chatbot was wrong. Well, it wound up in court. And they went back and forth and they were arguing about who was responsible. Is he owed money? Jake, the human. Well... The Air Canada case said, no, no, the chatbot is a separate legal entity. You have to sue the chatbot, was essentially what I'm gathering from the story. But the
1: chatbot which is attached to Air Canada.
0: Right. Well, that's what the judge said. And so the judge wound up favoring in Jake's favor and said, no, no, no. If the chatbot speaks on behalf of the company, then the chatbot mm-hmm. is considered, uh, you know, a spokesperson for your company, which I think is a pretty remarkable win. And it does set a boundary in place. Like you can't just push it off on the robot and say, no, 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 it's the robot. He got it wrong. Like if, if there's not going to be a human being on the chat who can't think for itself, then there's a price that has to be paid. And I think it's something that companies have to think about. Is it worth it to fire an employee and get a chat bot in place? When uh, you know, it might actually cost some more money down the line.
1: Yeah, right. It depends on how much money they're going to lose out from these lawsuits if they don't follow what the chatbot says.
0: Yes, and so you know, the lawsuit was like about I don't know four hundred eighty-two dollars. So it's not like it's not it's this not huge deal and a little interest. But you uh, know, it, it, it's one for the humans, Jaybo. Humans. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, human beings continue to win. $482 is a big win for the humans. It's the principle. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the scoreboard for the robots, I just hear a lot of fast typing, and they're probably out hustling my mind right now, and they're thinking faster than me about what the next move is. But, but they're, they're not uh, accurate all the time, so. We're going to take this one. You know, it's kind of like the uh, All-Star game over the weekend. They got crushed. Who got crushed? The West. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, so that's sort of. I think there's some relation there. <laughs> we need not a robot all. all-star game. <laughs> not at
1: all. so some point, point, you have that.
0: There will probably be a robot all-star game, yeah, right? Humans versus robots. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. No, I don't. I won't like that at all. No, no, but it's probably on the way, and uh, you know, we'll take the wins where we can get them. That's just how it works. You know, like when uh, I play my daughter in a memory game, I'm like I know where the cards are, and she gets one every once in a while, but I know I'm going to crush her. You don't let her <laughs>
1: win, do you? <laughs> no. Nah. Oh, you better nah. not. No, nah, of course Mm-mm.
0: not. No, why would I do that? Happy President's Day to you. you know, last night, I somehow went down a wormhole. I was clicking around on the internet. Next thing you know, I'm reading all about these presidents that we've had you over gotta the years. you got to be careful
1: when that happens. You'll get lost. Yeah.
0: This, like, took up an hour of my evening, mm-hmm. j But I found out some really fascinating information, and I found a list of very inspiring quotes from some of our former presidents. And these are both Republican and Democrat presidents. Okay. So, yes. Any Whig party members? It's a good question. I, I don't... <laughs> maybe back in the day? Okay. I don't believe so, but, uh, you know, George Washington, speaking of that, cared very much about his appearance, mm-hmm. according to historians, and he would powder his wig, which was a fashionable move back in, what, okay. the 1700s? Yeah. Was his fancy self. Yeah. Did, uh, I mean, should I be powdering my hair? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. I never thought that that would be something, although I do like talk powder. But did I, he powder his hair because it was greasy? I don't really know. sometimes when you,
1: I've heard, you can like powder your hair if it's greasy. This way it doesn't show the the oil and the shine in
0: the hair. Yeah, this is all news to me. Learning it from these former presidents. Maybe you should have just showered. I, I think
2: mean, the idea yeah. of the powdered wigs was to make you seem older, wiser, that kind really? of thing. Huh. Okay. Man, well, people are still trying to seem older and wiser. They just have TikTok accounts now. You, you, still have, <laughs> yeah. you have judges in the UK that still wear that traditional head garb mm-hmm. from back in the day. Look at that. Well, here are a couple quotes that I was inspired by. Abraham
0: Lincoln, he said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Well, gee, can we use that advice today? Hello. I hope so. Um, here's one from Ronald Reagan. Government's first duty is to protect the people, not run their lives. He was talking about limited government and individual liberty, with, of course, people are still talking about today, uh, John F. Kennedy... Let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, but the right answer. Let us not seek to fix the blame for the past. Let us accept our own responsibility for the future. That's pretty powerful stuff right there. Here's one. You know, people have a lot of uh, very passionate feelings for or against President Bill Clinton. But here's something he said that I think we can all agree on. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. That's a great quote.
2: Okay, yeah, I like that. Here's
0: one from Theodore Roosevelt. The only man who never makes a mistake is the man who never does anything. Ooh, man, I mean, is that good or what? That's like a burn. That's a diss. That's like it's a, good. That sounds like a sermon to me. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> that's incredible. President Barack Obama said, we are one people, all of us pledging allegiance to the stars and stripes, all of us defending the United States of America. Man, I just, there's something about unifying words that just light me up inside. I love it. I love when I hear it even today. Yeah. You know, our current presidents but reading about what our past presidents have said, th- I think most people want to be unified. Yeah. And yet this dumb internet, like you know we're all typing against each other and fighting with one another out on the street and every- Can we just keep reading these?
1: Do you have any quotes <laughs> from like their, the first ladies? Because yeah. behind every great man is a great woman. Well, let me tell you I could uh, see that <laughs> that,
0: without well, a doubt like
1: Eleanor Roosevelt um, one of her quotes is: it is not fair to ask for others what you are not willing to do yourself there you go treat others how you want to be treated it's yeah. a little take on the golden rule and also if you're not willing to do it yourself then you can't expect somebody else to do
0: it so much wisdom there, Jaybo, and I love it. So, however, you're celebrating today, I don't know how people
2: generally celebrate Presidents Day. They go shopping,
1: Day. there's so many sales today.
2: Yes, that's true. You Hello. spend money, the pictures with the President's face is on, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so you got to give that to somebody else. Yes. Well, however, you're
0: spending it, happy Presidents Day to you. This is the TJ Show, our news. It sounds a whole lot different around here. Our producer, Kenny, he reads through every story he can find
2: and then he brings us the most interesting ones. Kenny, what's happening on the planet today? The NBA's All Star weekend has concluded. It started with the skills competition, which saw a team of three All Stars, a team of rookie first round picks, and a team of three Indiana Pacers who were the host team. The Indiana Pacers won. And it'll be the third straight year that the home team won in front of their home crowd. How'd you guys like it this weekend? Did it live up to the expectations? Because everyone was very excited. I enjoyed what I saw. I thought it was pretty fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I had other things going on, so I missed it all weekend. I was really upset about that because I really wanted to see it.
2: Yeah, what happened with the big three-point competition? So you're talking about the Steph Curry-Sabrina-Ionescu three-point contest. A lot of hype around this. It Mm -hmm. was a close, close one, but Steph Curry won. But well, boy, sounds... did Sabrina put up a fight. In the traditional three-point contest, Damian Lillard of the Milwaukee Bucks won that one. He was also named the All-Star Games MVP, making him the first since Michael Jordan to win a Saturday night event and be named MVP in the Sunday All-Star Game.
0: Sometimes I go to the gym and they've got a basketball court there, and I don't know why. Sometimes I just get this feeling. I'm like, I'm going to pick up a ball and I'm going to see how many I can get in. And sometimes I'm at the free throw line and it's like, boom! Boom! That's awesome. And then I play my wife in out, you know, and she beats me, and it's like, what is going on here? It's I'm out, you know. It's like uh, you throw the ball in, you get it.
2: TJ doesn't have the attention span for horse. All five letters of horse. It's horse with three letters, right? Exactly. (laughs)
0: Oh man. And yeah, it's like too long to do five. So we um, we play, and then we usually bet like a surprise tickle on it. Yeah. So if I lose. At some point throughout the day, she gets to use a surprise tickle, and I hate it because she just really... It's actually almost an assault,
2: but she's allowed to because we bet on it. You should stop yeah. losing then. Yeah, I know. I don't understand. I'm just an inconsistent player. One other note from the All-Star game itself. The East beat the West 211-186. to 186. This is the highest score ever wow. in an NBA All-Star game. <sighs> Kenny, what else do you have? Let's talk about a baseball player, East Carolina infielder... Parker Bird, he's now the first Division I college athlete to play with a prosthetic leg. Oh, that's awesome. I know. It's, it's really cool. And he had his first game over the weekend where the Eastern Carolina team did post a season opening 16-2 victory over Ryder College. Um, but when asked about how he felt, he said, I mean, chill bumps, man. It's absolutely phenomenal. This crowd, these fans, these people, my family, my teammates, coaches, I really could not be more thankful and blessed. What else you have, Kenny? Bob Marley, one love, the biopic about the epic singer, was number one at the North American box office over the weekend, bringing in about $51.1 million. Wow, that's awesome. J-Bo was talking about that last week. I'm all excited. You got me hyped up to go see this yeah,
0: that's movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, I, I love when those movies get it right, because sometimes they'll throw out one of those movies about this icon, this sure. legend, and it's like, oh, okay, but this is apparently very good.
2: Yeah, and on the other end of the spectrum, the Sony superhero film Madam Web made $25.8 million over the weekend. It's the worst opening performance for any Sony superhero movie in their history. Anytime you're
0: trying to start Mm. a new brand of... Like superheroes have been around for quite a few decades. Spider-Man's had a little bit of a head start. So who knows? Maybe in 10, 20 years it'll pick up steam or
2: maybe they'll forget about it. We'll see. It, It got pretty bad reviews... It's like when a spider gets in your house and he thinks he's going to have this great life and then you (laughs) smack it. But
1: you also know reviews are hit or miss. That's true.
2: Kenny, what else do you have? It was recently Pajama Day at an elementary school in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And there was a first grader, Levi, who was picked up by his school bus driver, Larry Farish. But Levi wasn't in his regular jovial mood. Larry knew there was something wrong with the kid and what was wrong is that... Levi didn't have pajamas to wear on Pajama Day. Aww. That's so sad. So, Larry, after he dropped the kids off at school, went to the store and bought... Levi pajamas. He went to the front office, asked the school if they can call Levi down and what he describes is Levi with that smile he was used to back on the face gave a little bit of a happy cry but he got to participate in Pajama Day with the rest of his friends thanks to the generosity of his school bus driver.
0: That's cool. That's such great That's awesome. news. Just when you think humanity is swirling down the toilet and you hear a story like that, you go, oh yeah, people are still loving one another. Yeah, people yeah. still care about someone's feelings. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, well, I guess it was sort of a similar story. My daughter, Noah, apparently in her preschool, it was red day. Everyone was supposed to wear red. Yeah. Uh And the teacher texted us after red day and said, hey, Noah was the only kid in the class who wasn't wearing red. And we were like, oh, I guess we missed the email. Apparently an email went out from the teachers. (laughs) But Noah... Had no idea. Didn't care. She didn't <laughs> and so, care. And so she was as happy as a clam. She probably thought she was special because she wasn't <laughs> yeah.
1: wearing red. Yeah,
0: know? <laughs>
2: only Noah gets to wear a unique outfit. <laughs> right, day. Hey, exactly. No, but she had no clue. So I guess that one flew under That's the radar. Funny. Well, I went to a school where you had to wear a school uniform every day. We did have that one day that was designated as Pajama Day. Nobody in their right mind forgot to wear pajamas on Pajama Day because you got to be a little bit more comfortable that day. Well, look at that. Kenny, what else do you have? I want to tell you about Britain's oldest worker. His name's Bill Parton. He's 96 years old. He still works five days a week, 40 hours a week. Wow. And he has no plans of quitting anytime soon.
1: Man, that is impressive. His body has to hurt, though. 96?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I You hear about these stories where someone's working an exceptionally long period of time, and then one day they stop, and shortly after that, they pass mm-hmm. away.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, true. How often have we heard that story? So I understand why he's doing it, and also, he's probably really good at his job. Well, he's the business owner. He founded this sawmill business 42 years ago. He says you got to keep your mind moving. The trick is not to stop. You can't sit back. You've got to keep doing something.
1: 42 years ago, which means he was like in his 50s, which is also inspiring because it goes to show you you don't have to be young to start a business. You can start it whenever you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Every day is a new day mm-hmm. to kick off something new and if you
2: got something on your heart, there's another example of it. It's He's great. a great grandfather, a World War II veteran. He says he works a 40-hour work week. He dropped his six-day work week a year oh, ago. Well. So he was working six days a week <laughs> up until about a year ago. Oh, man. I wish I knew
0: how to mill something with a saw. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I We had a tree that fell down and the guy who was chopping it up with a chainsaw, I was like, hey, can you like cut off a couple slivers I want to make some cutting boards and I have no idea what I'm Sliver, talking about like
1: it's pie okay. yeah and so he leaves
0: me this huge chunk and I bring it inside within a week it cracks in half I'm like what did I do wrong <laughs> you brought it inside this is what I get for trying to <laughs> mill something without learning how to mill something and so then I had him cut four more and now I'm drying it out outside and this is all guesswork this is silliness mm-hmm. I need this
2: guy I got to get on the phone with him call him up I mean I'm sure he'd love to chat <laughs> <laughs> Kenny what else do you have TJ when was the last time you had your gate analyzed I don't have a gait, so I don't know what you're asking. No, I'm actually, I'm talking about the way you walk. Oh, that gait. Your walking gait. I've never had my gait analyzed. Well, perhaps this is something we might want to consider. There's some new research going on that indicates that someone's gait may be a sign of an illness, injury, or genetics, or other issues with your legs or feet. So by having your gait analyzed, it may actually be a sign that something's wrong. A lot easier than like going into one of those MRI machines and all those other tests. Yeah, this apparently has been picking up popularity and there are physical therapists who specialize in analyzing your gait. They say your walking speed can also be an indicator of your health. In fact, they're saying your gait is gaining traction as one of your vital signs, along with things like body temperature, pulse rate, respiration rate, blood pressure, and Hmm. oxygen saturation. Great, I'm in. I
1: remember my physical therapist a few years ago told me that the way I walk, I'm going to need new knees in a few years if I don't change the way I walk. Really? Yeah, she had to teach me how to walk again. And see,
0: I wouldn't know. When you walk, I think it looks so cool. Yeah,
1: no, she mm-hmm. didn't.
0: Like when you dunked that uh, piece of paper in the wastebasket, yeah. which you can see, by the way, on our Instagram, <laughs> at TJ Podcast. Tell me J-Bo doesn't look cool when she walks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, You're man, silly. These people, they got so many problems with how we're walking now.
2: They say assessing gait can predict gross motor delays in kids, fall risks in older adults, and when coupled with uh, a cognitive decline, the risk of dementia even. Your gait can wow. indicate hey, these listen, things. The more we can find out about our bodies and how they work, the better. I'm all in. Kenny, what else you have? Well, speaking of, of bodies and maybe paying closer attention to them, Russell Crowe just did an interview with People magazine where he recalled breaking both of his legs while filming the 2010 movie Robin Hood.
1: Oh my gosh, that sounds painful.
2: What did he do? It was part of a stunt where he jumped off of some high area onto the ground, and he landed on the balls of his feet. The thing is, he Mm -hmm. was unaware he had fractured his legs until a decade later. Really? So So it didn't hurt? (laughs) Oh, it hurt. But he just kind of soldiered through. He didn't take a day off. They didn't even miss a take, but it was 10 years later when he went to the doctor saying he was experiencing very strange pains in his lower legs. Mm. They did an MRI and an x-ray. The doctor goes, so when did you break your legs? And he had to scratch his head and go, hmm, oh, maybe that must have been when I hurt myself on the set of Robin Hood 10 years ago. Oh my goodness. I have not
0: as bad a story as that, but similar, if you remember... I was moving a big stump in my yard. It was like a big piece of a tree. And I thought, oh, I'll kick it to get it out of the way. Right. And it didn't move. So I just kicked full force into this stump like an idiot. I mean, (laughs) listen, I'm not used to doing yard work. And it was kind of a new thing for me. And it hurt so bad. And I just went on with life. And I knew my foot hurt. So I would wear a boot and I tied it up nice and tight. Oh, I found out I broke my foot. I yeah. couldn't believe it. And you,
1: and you didn't go to the doctor. You just went ahead and no, found a
0: boot. No, it wasn't until weeks later. I was like, man, it still hurts a little bit. It's not supposed to hurt this long. And they said it was going to heal on its own. And
2: I mean, by a miracle, I just happened to guess to do the right thing and putting a boot on. But that helped me. Wow. I had a similar situation where I thought I'd only sprain my ankle. I, I went to the doctor. They took x-rays. But months and months later, I still had this pain, went to a different doctor, took a different look, from a different angle, turned out I had a broken bone in my foot. Look at that. For months, didn't realize it. <laughs> Kenny, what else do you have? Samsung Electronics just did a new study with people in the United Kingdom finding that most people in England spend 76% as much time thinking about tackling household tasks than actually doing them. And they're calling this an invisible load. I could relate to that. Yeah, I feel that. So much to get done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, but I don't really want to do it. Yeah, the study found that the average person is responsible for at least eight tasks in their home, often totaling more than 30 hours a week. So it's almost a full-time job. And according to Samsung, 98% of respondents spend as much time thinking about washing the dishes as they actually do carrying out the task itself. Mm.
1: Just thinking about it is exhausting. That's why.
2: I know. By the time you go to
1: wash it, you're like, oh, forget it. I already did it in my mind. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) There's
2: a room.
0: I mean, paper plates could solve this, right? Uh But I don't don't think that's good for the environment.
1: That's what I've been using lately. (laughs) There's a a
0: room in our house that has been unchecked off for about four years. Finally, I'm proud to say that this weekend, we actually tackled it. We unpacked some final boxes from our move. And we got rid of this stuff that I don't even know where it came from. How many years
1: ago did you move into that house? (laughs) Four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I get it. Yeah, and it's uh, very important to get these things off the list. It actually felt like we were lighter Mm -hmm. at the end of the
2: weekend. We're like, wow, we actually can fit some of the kids' toys in here. Great, get it out of the living room. Right. Kenny, what else do you have? Well, you may have heard about this last week, but it's really taking off and it's getting some more coverage. The USA Today is reporting on this woman from the Kansas City area, Annie Stowe, and she's partnered with Donna Kelsey, uh, of course, mother of Travis, and Mm -hmm. Jason Kelsey. Essentially, what they're doing is they're printing Mama Kelsey's cookie recipe on coffee mugs, and they're selling them with the proceeds going towards paying off student lunch debt in this Kansas City neighborhood. That's I love really that. cool. That's great. Yeah. The student lunch debt problem
0: obviously needs as much help as possible. Right. And so that's beautiful. And I'm a person who loves coffee. And the only thing I'm missing sometimes is a chocolate <laughs> chip cookie. Hello. So that's a great
2: reminder. Oh, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And I can get to work. Now, what's interesting is it started with a mug that Annie Stowe made as a joke, essentially saying, It was a picture of Mama Kelsey saying, this is Mama Kelsey's world, we're just living in it. That caught Mama Kelsey's attention to the point where she actually reached out to Annie via email and then that's when they decided to partner on this whole thing which is helping a whole bunch and in other Kelsey news uh, it turns out Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey both were winners at the People's Choice Awards last night. Taylor Swift won four awards, female artist, pop artist concert tour and social celebrity and Kelsey won athlete of the year so it's just a, a bunch of champions in Did they that, show up? No they didn't But yeah. They're kind
1: of busy, they're kind of tied up with touring and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's
2: true they've been busy lately Kenny, what else you have? Finally, Apple is issuing new guidance on what to do if your phone gets wet. What? They say, don't put it in rice. I know that's been the thing that people have done for years and years. And it
1: works most of the time.
2: Mm. Well, they're saying that a little piece of rice could get caught inside the phone and end up doing more damage oh, than yeah. the water could. Yep. Or they just want your money. because so they want you to take it to them to fix it. I thought you could just drop your phone in the water now and it's fine. I think a lot of these phones are waterproof in many cases. But not all. But not all. They say just don't charge it um, until you're sure it's dry. And there's a new feature that'll tell you, hey, we're detecting that your phone's wet. Like wait a half hour before you plug oh, it in. Oh, that's cool. They're thinking of everything. Kenny, thank you for keeping us somewhat informed. That's what's happening.